0: Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked off by the line. Darius Slay's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right. Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there. Enzo caught. Touchdown to Clark Lions. Jones, Stafford. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Cornbread, Evans! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, now. Detroit Kool Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back. And uh, I'm back. I'm back solo. It's your boy um, Kind of middle of the day on Friday. I felt like I wanted to break out a podcast. Talk more about Hawkinson last night. We kind of had like our initial reactions. Me, the big Hughes, Grifka. You know, w- we knew where Grifka was going to sit on this pick. You know, Hughes kind of in the middle there. And me uh, doing what I do, which is he wasn't my favorite. I would have taken somebody else, but now that he's a Detroit Lion... You think about it. You read up on it. You kind of see the fit. You begin to really support the pick and, and hope that he absolutely is an incredible football player for the Lions. So, what I thought we'd do on this podcast is talk all about uh, TJ Hawkinson, kind of do a deep dive on all the different uh, things that go with it, and uh, and also talk about some other things here leading into rounds two and three on a solo show. So, um, right off the top here, I mean, I want to just say there's just so many layers to this pick I mean when you take a tight end at that spot you know there's people that will just look at it and see tight end and hate it there's people that will you know justify it to the hills because tight ends are important now in the NFL and you know they can't they change the game you know they'll make them sound like the greatest player of all time. You know, I don't think it's it's either one of those. I definitely lean more towards a positive instead of, oh, it's tight end. It's terrible. You don't take tight ends in the top ten. Well, yeah, you didn't in the 70s, 80s, early 90s when they were big bruising blockers that didn't do anything else. Yeah, the value wasn't there. Now in 2019, more than 20 years later, they can catch, they can block, they can stretch the defense, they can make your offense versatile. Do all types of things. So we'll talk all about that in a minute. But the the other thing I want to get off uh, my chest at the top is every time there's a first round pick, good, bad, or otherwise, people act like that's the end all, be all. The first round's important. The top ten is super important. There's no doubt. But there's six more rounds. And as I always try to tell Grifka, the top three, four, and even in the fifth round... Nowadays NFL, with how good college football is, how many juniors are coming out, you're expected to get good players. So before people go crazy one way or the other, there's six more rounds to go, rounds two and three later tonight, which to me are the most important in every draft pretty much. It's where you get your quality. It's where you get first-round talents later. It's where you complement your first-round pick with some two other players that really fills out. Those first three guys, they're going to help your roster. So you got to remember that the Lions have eight more draft picks. Eight. Last year I think they had six total. They have eight more in the last two days. So they're definitely going to supplement this pick. They're definitely going to fill other needs. you just got to sort of be patient, figure out, okay, now that the tight end is taken care of, you know, what do we attack next? What's the next big need? What's the next thing that can help that? On the offensive defensive side of the ball, wherever Matt Pat and Bob Quinn want to go. So I just want to say that that let's see this draft play out, and let's also know that it wasn't a one pick draft by any means. the The other thing I want to say is that it is a new age NFL. You know, I, I hit that just a moment ago of the people that that turn the clock back and say, well, the last. 20 tight ends in the first round, like X amount were good. Or, hey, you know, uh, over the 40-year span, there's only been, you know, five top whatever tight ends. To me, I mean, that historical data isn't really valid because this definitely was not a pass-catching position for years and years ago. Definitely not 40 years ago. Definitely not 30, even 20 years ago. Only within the last, you know, 8, 10, 12 years, if you want to stretch it, did it start becoming more of a pass catching, impact, weapon type position? So let's take that into consideration. And the other thing right here off the top is that had the Lions stuck at 8 and took a guy like Noah Fant, which I feel is much more of an Ebron part 2, a much more just of just a pass catcher, finesse guy, a guy that, yeah, he does one. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, he does some things really well catching, athleticism, speed, but he's not going to help you in the run game. He's not going to help your offensive line. You know, he's not as sure handed, all that type of stuff. Had they done that, I'd be much more furious today. But when you go out and you take a guy, as I've said on the previous show meat and potatoes, doesn't drop the football, likes to block good head on his shoulders, can digest all types of the playbook, seems to fit this team. I think that that's, you know, why I'm much more accepting of this pick because of the type of tight end it was and because of the type of team the Lions have now and the type of team they're trying to build. You know, had we had the flash and dash of five, ten years ago and then we had a meat and potatoes tight end that does a whole bunch of things that wouldn't have made much sense. You know, wouldn't have fit the current team that they had where they were trying to build, like, a high-flying offense with receivers and, you know, always swinging and missing on running backs and bad quarterbacks, all that. We kind of have a lot of the other areas filled, and we want to both turn the clock back with a fullback that likes to crush people and a tight end that can crush people. But, yeah, he can run by you. Yeah, you can gadget player him because of the type of things he does. Yeah, you can run him up the seam, and he's going to get by people and catch it, and, and he's uh, got a ton of gap yards, which we'll talk about here in a minute. So I want to get a few topics right off the top that you can kind of sink your teeth into. Let's go ahead and take a quick break from our sponsor, and I'll be right back. We'll really dive into who TJJ Hawkinson is, some of his things that you know maybe were mentioned but maybe you missed in the coverage, and uh, talk about him a lot more, as well as hey, man, heading into rounds two and three, what the heck are we going to do? What are we going to do as Lions fans, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, all that type of stuff. So let's take a quick uh, break, hear from our sponsor. Be right back in one moment. All right, everybody, we're back. Talked about some stuff off the top, just sort of set up some things. Now let's talk about TJ Hawkinson, number eight pick, tight end from the Iowa Hawkeyes. I know it was said on the broadcast, and they even showed a highlight, This guy was kind of a two-time, I believe it was all-state basketball player at the forward position. I mean, when you play forward in basketball, anybody that knows anything about hoops, like the forward is a guy that's got to be able to bang. He's got to be able to get up and down the floor. He's got to have good feet. He's got to be able to move. That's what I was trying to tell Griffco last night. He's got to be able to move fluidly, you know, and... And that's really important at the tight end position, and that's something I think T.J. Hawkinson does really well. He's a he's a smooth mover, and he can also lower the boom on you when he wants to, which um, some tight ends do not want to do. Now let's break down his size. You know, I got him at about 6'5", 245, forty five, two fifty, and it says they ran a 4'7". You know, we had the argument with Grifka. He's not as big as Gronk. He's not as fast, whatever. The numbers I pulled on Gronk went 6'6, 265, so 15 pounds heavier. And Gronk ran a 4'6'8, so basically the same 40, but he is doing it 15 to 20 pounds heavier. Travis Kelsey, who I pulled up, was 6'5, 260 pounds, so basically the, exactly the same, maybe a little bit heavier. And he ran a 4'6'7. And uh, to me, Kelsey, Hawkinson, they have similar type movement where, you know, they're smooth, but they're not these freaky athletes that just jump off the page with height, weight, speed, or just kind of crazy numbers. They're just good fluid movers when it comes to playing the game of football. Who's who's the hotness now in the NFL? You know, George Kittle, 6'4", 247, so a little bit lighter right around that Hawkinson weight, a little bit shorter. And yeah, he ran a 4.54. Four. That's that's quite a bit faster than a 4.7. But they played in the same program, you know, had similar type attributes. And to me, Kittle was all about how they used him. You know, they didn't have any receivers, anything else. So they really milked this guy, got him the football, and when he caught it, he knew what to do with it. You know, he got going, got after it after the fact. So... You know, I think Hawkinson can be that type of player. I don't know that he'll be utilized like that in Detroit where he's just fed the football and he's the number one option, but I think you're going to see similar traits. (coughs) Excuse me. So I wanted to bring up, you know, just that overall height, weight, as well as speed and say, man, you know, some of the top guys in the league are comparable. And now the counterpoint will be, well, yeah, you know, Gronk was a second rounder. You know, Kelsey, I want to say, went in the, the third, I believe. You know, Tr- George Kittle went after Big Mike Roberts. You know, Lions took him over George Kittle. George Kittle was a guy I loved, but nobody expected him to be what he did this past year. Now, can he keep it up? You know, we'll be part of it as well. But, uh, you know, I, I think it just comes down to these guys are similar. Yes, they were taken later, but... You redraft, you look at them as talents, you know, they're top talents, which if you get a top talent at 8, 15, or in the third round, you know, they're all valuable. Now, we love getting Kenny Galladay in the third. Now he looks like he may be number one. Yeah, that helps your team, no doubt, based on salary, draft value, all types of things. But, you know, if you hit on a top eight, regardless of position, That's going to help your team as well. And to me, the biggest argument is that this guy was not going to be there had you passed him by. You weren't going to pass him by, get him later. You weren't going to pass him by and get a guy in the second or third round. Hey, this guy's just as good. This guy's very similar. No. This was really the only guy in this draft, and he's really one of the few guys in the last few drafts that's been, you know, this type of tight end on both sides of the ball from a good program, a guy that will fit this team perfectly from a personality perspective. I mean, one of the things I had written down is that, I mean, (coughs) excuse me, not only does he fit our current team needs, I think he's going to just be an absolute great match with Stafford. They seem to have that kind of low-key personality, but they love football. I think he's going to get along in the locker room great. He's going to want to prove himself from day one. You know, when is the last time the Lions – have had a blue-collar tight end. I'm talking a guy that loves to mix it up in the run game, a guy that can stretch the field, catch the ball, consistently catch the ball, and that, you know, from Iowa, you know, I I don't have here exactly where he was born, but I assume he's kind of from that type of area where he's not trying to be the glitz and glamour, Eric Ebron. He's not trying to, you know, be kind of a clumsy You know, butter sticks type tight end like Pettigrew ended up being. You know, they felt Pettigrew was going to be this type of player, but he ended up not being that. You know, I think he's got some special traits, and he's just very, very consistent across the board. So I think that's uh, definitely something to think about. Now let's talk about Bob Quinn. I mean, what does Bob Quinn do in the draft? Everybody wants to say he should took this guy, should took that. You look at his draft history; he's got one early miss. And that's teased Taver. He's filled holes every year. He's got players that have been really good character guys. He's got guys that produce. You know, people can nitpick Jared Davis all day long. People can say, oh, I don't know if Taylor Decker's that good. Is Taylor Decker starting basically every snap at left tackle? Yes. Did Jared Davis start from day one in the middle? Absolutely. So what Bob Quinn does is he fills holes, man. He goes out and says, all right, who do I need Based on where my team is at right now, so what do you think he did in free agents? He looked. He said we didn't really get after the passer consistently. Yeah, our sack numbers were okay, but we don't have that that beast on the edge. So he goes and gets Trey Flowers, fills that hole. He he and everybody else looks at our corners and go, we can't cover anybody in the slot. Not only do they catch it all day, they're scoring touchdowns, they're making big plays from the slot. Anybody that's guarded by Nevin Lawson, Tease, whoever else we had in there last year at that position, goes out and get Justin Coleman one of the top-rated slot interior corners. You know, he fills the need with Jesse James, um, another both sides of the football-type tight end, high upside, 24, 25 years old. That covers him in case he did want to pass on TJ Hawkinson, and now he's made what's a weakness, a strength. I mean, he didn't even bring up Big Mike Roberts in his press conference yesterday, which I think says a lot. He just said, we got two good tight ends now. So I don't know what that says for Big Mike, either making the roster or having some role on this team. But we went from no production last year to, excuse me, now two guys that I think can fit this offense, do what they want them to do, and be physical. Like Kyle Brand on Good Morning Football said, when have the Lions ever been smash mouths? When have they ever been in-your-face, run-the-football type of football team? Never. Never in my lifetime. We've always wanted to sling it around. We've always wanted the flashy guy that will sell jerseys. You know, now with Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, and this program now in its, like, third or fourth year under his regime, I feel like there's a team now that can be gritty and grimy, can be a good defense, can be a smash mouth run game with a quarterback that can still throw the football any type of way you want to throw it. So not too many times you see teams that kind of have all three of those working, and when you do, they usually win, win at a pretty high level. So Bob Quinn, man, he fills holes. He looks at weaknesses. He takes care of them right away. He doesn't mess around. I think that's what he's done here both in free agency and and in round one, and I'm super curious to see what he does in round two to supplement this pick and continue to fill holes. So let's keep talking about TJ Hawkinson. Let's give you some stats here. TJ Hawkinson led the entire draft class with an 89.5 overall pro football focus grade. I know some of you out there hear that, and you're like, ah, pro football focus, they don't know what they're talking about, or, you know, you can't just go by that. Well, what Pro Football Focus does do is they grade every game, every play, every player. So regardless if you totally believe in their grading scales, they're watching everything this guy does on every play, you know, putting a number to it. So 89.5 overall out of 100, I mean, you got to love that. TJ Hawkinson has the lowest drop rate of any tight end in college football. And you want to know what that drop rate is? 2%. I mean, I want to say if you go back and look at it, I even hate to bring up his name multiple times. I mean, Eric Ebron's drop rate was always in college. I want to say it was around the eight percentile range, if not higher. In the pros, it did not dip. You know, it was in that same range. And we didn't even feature him. Imagine if we featured the ball to him, how many times he dropped the football. I mean... TJ Hawkinson catches it when it's there. The Lions have been putting a big emphasis on that the last few years. I mean, they went out and they got Marvin Jones, who's consistently caught the football here with the team. You know, they've they've went ahead and added Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay has sticky hands. If it's in the range, he catches the ball. What was our big issue before we started bringing in guys like that? Oh, yeah, they're talented, but, man, they got, they got focus drops. Oh, man, you know, he got open but then drop the ball it would have been an easy touchdown. That's not happening anymore, and this is just another way to add to that, that if this guy's open and Stafford gets in the ball, it's going to be caught, and he's going to turn up field and do some damage. Not let's speak of doing damage, man. This guy had 744 yards last season with the Hawkeyes in, a, in an offense that was splitting with, with double tights all year long. 357 of those yards were yak yards. So ha- over like 48, 50% of this guy's yardage was after he caught the football. So he's not a catch-it-and-go-down guy. This this guy isn't a, you know, just a, a barely a chain mover. I mean, he catches it and he gets going. I mean, and like I said, he'll run you over. He'll hurdle you, as we saw in the highlights. He'll put the ball in the paint by going for the pylon and trying to score a touchdown. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot to be said about this guy um, in regards to Gack Yards. And that's something we lost with Golden Tate. I feel like we sort of added it back by adding TJ Hawkinson. Now, Now, one thing I just said about not just moving the chains, but let's talk about that for a minute. TJ Hawkinson, when it comes to moving chains, no tight end picked up more chain-moving receptions on third down last season than T.J. Hawkinson. You want to know how many times he moved the chains for the Hawkeyes? 50 times. That's 50. 5-0. 50 times he moved the chains. So Bob Quinn said, when the chips were down, when they needed to score touchdowns, when it was third and medium, not only guess who was in the ballgame, but who they throw the football to? T.J. Hawkinson. So... Just off the top here, giving you stats, I mean, he led the draft class with his grade. He has the lowest drop rating. He had the most chain moves. And he had one of the highest yak yard percentages based on his catches. I mean, that's crazy. His his receiving grade was 90.8. His run grade, which, again, everybody wants to compliment him on, was at 74.1. But, I mean... Go ahead and look at these uh, pass-catching split-out tight ends. Go check their run grades and see what it is in comparison. I mean, it's not good. So, uh, that just shows he can, can do both things. He's a multifaceted guy. So, you know, there's some numbers for you. I mean, before I jumped on this podcast, I was talking to my buddy Chops. And Ch- and Chops went Grifka 2.0 on me, man. He was like, I don't value tight ends in the top ten. And I said... Chops it's not about the position, man. It's about the player. I said it's about the player, the fit, the need, the skill set, and the current team. Like, what what kind of team are we building? If we were the Chiefs, you know, who were adding lots of receivers, big quarterback, you know, you would add more of that flex tight end, that Noah Fant type. But the way our team is going, we're going in a different direction. So he fits. And so I hate to call you out, chops, but I got to man. You you threw back at me. Well, why wouldn't you take a kicker then? If it, if it's about the player, and not the position, you know, wouldn't that have value? And I was like, well, no, because you know, again, a kicker isn't a need for us. It doesn't fit. Everybody with a brain knows you don't take a kicker anywhere, basically in the draft. Um, you know, and except very late when you need one, and, and that just doesn't hold water because. So many. I mean, it's not like I just said, hey, it's it's not about position at all. Position of need is important. Position value is important. But I don't care what the position value or the pick number is. If you're taking a guy that doesn't fit your team, isn't a good football player, doesn't have the skill set you're looking for. And TJ Hawkinson, almost anybody you ask will say, man, he's a good player. or You know, I, I think he would fit with the Lions you're looking for. So basically, saying he'd check all the boxes, but I'd pass on him for this. Why? Most people will just say, well, he's a tight end. Well, tight ends have never produced at that high a level, so you can't take them that high. You know, and my counterpoint is like when I'm looking at my board, I was pulling Lions' targets off, and yeah, on my board, staring me in the face was Ed Oliver, and that would have been my selection. Now, I don't love his fit either because of where he played in college. It was hard to say if he really fit what the Lions are doing. The Lions already had a few DTs, so the fit and need wasn't as big there. But to me, he was the top guy on my board, and he was the most talented and the biggest upside. So that's a big determining factor when I pick high. But to just say I don't take tight ends that high, I don't value tight ends that high, is completely ignoring the football player whether it be T.J. Hawkinson, Gronkowski, Noah Fant, you know, Travis Kelsey, whoever, and you're just assuming, oh, hey, I'll just wait two rounds and I'll get one. We'll be fine. You know, everybody knows in this draft he probably is going to go to Buffalo if you don't take him. He's probably going to go to Green Bay if you don't take him. He might go to Denver at 10 if, if you don't take T.J. So... You know, that's the way the draft works is, yeah, in a perfect world, you might want to wait a round or two, but you also might miss out on a player that fits your scheme perfectly, that has all the intangibles, that's just a an absolute, you know, solid football player. Again, you don't want to hit, you don't want to swing and miss in the top ten. You know, you don't, you don't want a player either that's low end or a, a bust by any means, or not a high ceiling. But you definitely want to hit. And I think there's not many people you can ask today and say, is, is TJ Hawkinson going to bust? You know, I think you wouldn't get many people to say, oh, yeah, he's going to be terrible. Now, how many people would you get that say, he's going to be a pro bowler multiple years? You know, he's going to put up these big stats. You know, I don't know how many people are going to vouch for him that way either. You know, it's probably going to be, you know, limited. But what I think you will see is a lot of people saying he fits the team. think he'll be pretty good. I hope he helps us win. And I wish we could have traded down and got him. Oh, I wish we could have waited and and got him. But that wasn't the case. They didn't think they could. They didn't want to take that risk. So they took the player that they pretty much know is a safe bet. Got some good upside. Can do both things on both sides of the football. So I think, you know, that's really important. Again, outwardly admitting that if I'm Bob Quinn, that I wouldn't have made the pick. I, I didn't get to interview TJ Hawkinson or, or Ed Oliver, but, um, you know, to, to me, I would have went with, with Oliver just based on upside and dynamic ability to get after the quarterback and really make this defense something crazy. So, I mean, i have given you a ton of reasons about TJ Hawkinson, I give you some stats, I've given you some things about him. The more and more I think about it, the more and more I digested this thing. This guy fits the 2019 Detroit Lions perfectly. If we're if we're being real about it, well, yeah, we wish we could have took this guy in the middle to the late first round, but that wasn't the case. So they took him at eight. Now he's got to produce on the field. You know, Grifka was all caught up in stats. I mean, to me, a good year, if I had to put numbers on it for TJ Hawkinson, is probably around, you know, 500 yards to 750. You know, I want him to score at least five, give me eight to ten touchdowns on a high end. Block you, Nick Bodden, on Johnson, that offensive line. I want you to maul people so we can run the football consistently from weeks one to week 16, 17, and in the playoffs. And if you can do that and you can help us win ball games, mesh well with the team, help Matt Stafford get off the uh, schneid he's been on a little bit, like, I'm good with it, man. I really am good with it. I like this pick. I graded it on our Google sheet as a B-. And... And the reason I did that is because I probably would have been more in the C, C-minus category. But when you look at it, when you say, hey, you know, it's a perfect fit. It fits in need. The scheme, you know, is not a Jim Bob Cooter scheme. It's, it's, it's this new regime that I think values this type of player. These players don't grow on trees. So I bumped it up to a B-minus because of all the boxes they did check, And the only one they didn't is that people think, based on 50 years of data, you can't take this quote-unquote type of player at this pick. Well, hey, he goes out and balls out, helps you on both sides of the game, run, pass, great guy in the locker room, you know, a real blue-collar Detroit-type football player that we haven't had in a long time. I think you're going to totally bump all that old data and say, man, I'm so glad that glad that Hakamania is running wild because uh you know I think this could be special and could be a pick we look back years ago and say man a lot of people were down on it. a lot of people had all these reasons all he's done and is done is come in and put his head down play football and do exactly what a multifaceted tight end in the new NFL needs to do so. That's that's my big take on T.J. Hawkinson. I mean, without getting into a ton of names here in round two, you know, I'll just say this to kind of end us out. Like, there are so many good football players on the board. You know, I'm looking at my team needs, edge, interior lineman, linebacker, corner, receiver, and possibly a safety. Those are easily obtainable in the next eight type picks. And, and one thing Bob Quinn does too is he takes – not only value, but Matt Pat might have a few aces up his sleeve where he wants to get a multi versatile safety. So his he can be crazy multiple on defense. He can blitz, he can cover, he can do all this stuff. You know, if they took one in the second round, that might shock some people, but I think that he might see that as the new age NFL type defense. You know, I don't know that I would spend a huge high resource on receiver because I feel like, you know, a Godwin later in the rounds could kind of do what we need, which is sort of you need a guy to compete with Powell behind Amendola, but you go out and spend a high second rounder on a smaller slot type receiver, you know, I feel like you could probably better use those resources. Right now I'm kind of looking at interior linemen. And also, is an edge there? You know, do they value a type like a Chase Winovich on edge? You know, what kind of edge are they looking for? As well as um, what kind of interior lineman? You know, um, Juwan Taylor continues to fall. Like, is he a guy that can either play right tackle and can Wagner slide in? Or could Juwan Taylor play right guard? I mean, the value just seems too crazy to pass up. You know, you got a big old 340-pounder in uh, Samia there over with from Oklahoma, does he fit what they're looking for? I don't know. And then you got the corners. You know, Murphy, Greedy, Rocky Sin, Justin Lane, Julian Love, Mullins. You know, all these guys. I feel like that's one. I'd roll the dice and probably wait till the third round if there's still a lot on the board when you pick because let's say you come up to pick and there's five or six of those guys are still out there. I'd probably go in a different direction hoping that one of those six two of those guys are staring me in the face in the third round. That's kind of how you play the board as far as not only who's out there, but how many and how close are they graded? Because if they're all pretty close, let it slide by and try to uh, get it around later. You know, there's nothing better than in a fantasy football draft wanting to take a guy and then saying, man, I'm going to wait another round, and sure enough, he ends up being there. You get the same player around later. I mean, that's tremendous when that happens, so. Tons of good football players for the Lions without getting into all the names. Those are kind of the positions, things I'd be looking for. And uh, curious later, I mean, if they can add an impactful linebacker, whether it be a, a rush-type guy or another guy to to play alongside Jared Davis or how about a backup for Jared Davis, you know? I mean, I don't feel there's much behind him in the middle. We need some uh, depth there as well. So looking forward to it. Again, most important day of the draft here, rounds two and three. There's my deep dive on TJ Hawkinson, Um, you know, pumped him up quite a bit. You know, I know last night we were kind of getting after each other, me and Grifka arguing, Hughes in there being the uh, referee, but, um, you know, I thought it was warranted. I think Grifka's negativity of just tight ends terrible. His stats will never be good enough. Like, we want to win Super Bowls, we want to win playoff games. And most people say, well, yeah, you don't you don't win those with tight ends. And they're right. But you win that with really good football teams that are really, you know, solid overall. You know, the Patriots this past year, they don't have a bunch of superstars. But they have a really good fundamental team across the board that can beat you on most Sundays. And an incredible quarterback. So, you know, Matt Stafford step his game up. Put a good solid team, you know, offense, defense, special teams around him you know, that's how we're going to win and win big. So I think, you know, all this Grifka and all these people out there that are just looking at it at surface level, we've given, we dove into all the different layers, all the different reasons why this guy makes sense, why this guy can really help this team, and why it's not just as simple as, oh, it's a tight end at eight, I hate it. Oh, it's a, you know, TJ Hawkinson, he can't be that good of an athlete. He's not going to put up these big stats. That's not what it's about. It's much deeper than that. That's our deep dive. Looking forward to round two. Me and the fellas will be back after uh, rounds two and three, recapping, giving you all our thoughts. And uh, I'm thinking after today, we're going to look at three picks. Hawkinson and these two other guys that we'll probably get if we don't trade down and move around. That You're going to look at that three, and everybody's going to be much happier than they are today because they'll see the big picture. They'll see that they added two more really good football players, probably at positions of need. Be ready to rock and roll uh, heading into the later rounds, uh, heading into 2019. So drink it in, Detroit Kool-Aid, call that listener line, pour it out, drink it in, tell me what you're thinking. We love uh, hearing from everybody, so it should be another great day, the draft, the greatest event in sports. Uh, can't wait for it. Thank you much, so much for listening. TJ Hawkinson, welcome to the D We can't wait to see you uh, doing work on the field, and can't wait to see who Bob Quinn and Matt Pat add in these later rounds. Take care, everybody. Detroit Kool Aid. We're out. Back to back. Start the play. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions! Drink it in, man.